franchising is the most misunderstood and most overlooked form of entrepreneurship. We're here to educate you and help you find the entrepreneur within. Franchising is not all about the French fries. We find that individuals who are exploring business ownership tend to have a lot of misperceptions and misunderstandings about the franchise industry. So what we want to do is help prospective business owners make confident and educated decisions before moving forward or not moving forward with the business. Welcome to Unpredicted Entrepreneur. Hello and welcome to episode 22 of Unpredicted Entrepreneur. I am Sarah Wasco. I'm joined by my colleague Roxanne Rapsky. And the purpose of our podcast is to provide information that we believe will be beneficial for prospective business owners and existing business owners to really um, make good decisions about choices in franchising. So I would like to welcome our guest today. His name is Bobby Springer. And Bobby is joining us. Uh, we invite him because he uh, was the owner of three Club Pilates franchises and recently sold those successfully. And we just felt like that his insight could be really helpful for others who are in the you know, mindset of building a business successfully and selling it. So Bobby, welcome to Unpredicted Entrepreneur. Just tell us a little bit about yourself. Absolutely. Thanks, Sarah and Roxanne. Um, well, I started my career in uh, banking, financial services, uh, and did that for about 15 years, uh, first half of my career, anywhere from, you know, sort of lending, branch operations, management positions to financial consulting and strategy consulting and things like that. Uh, the second half of my career was in healthcare, uh, worked for a large hospital uh, chain uh, in the United States, and um uh, did similar things in that in that industry, project management, consulting, um, you know, uh, process reengineering, things like that, and uh, kind of got to a point where my wife, who's a nurse, also in healthcare, wanted to look at uh, kind of doing our own thing. Um, you know, we 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 liked our our jobs, but uh, we found that uh, it got to be a situation where we were putting in tons of hours every week, uh, reduced family time. Um, we kind of felt like, uh, you know, we wanted to do something where we felt like we were working for ourselves and that we could recoup some of that lost time and uh, ultimately be able to benefit financially as well. Um, and so we decided to go down that path, uh, hired a franchise consultant, um, found that process and experience to be invaluable because we were presented with a number of options that were vetted, right? Because mm -hmm. if you were just to Google franchises, <laughs> uh, there's like 5,000 different yes. things that come up. Yep. So you kind of, your, your jaw kind of drops, right? <laughs> so uh, having somebody to help us navigate that space yeah. and present us with some good options based on a pre-qualified sort of set of criteria that, that we work in tandem with the, the consultant with uh, was very beneficial. So uh, we went through that process. The process itself actually was very exciting. Uh, got to find out, uh, you know, what our passions were going through the process, what we felt like we'd be good at, and also how that matched to the various businesses that, that were in the market. So uh, by going through that process and, and, and really exploring it, we, we elected to go with Club Pilates. We really liked the business model. We liked the franchisor and the support they provided. And we, we, we liked the market space and the, and, and the um, kind of... Uh, niche and, and, and hole that they sort of filled in the market. So that's kind of how we came across and decided to go with that. So you have th you had three locations. Correct. Had three locations. Yeah. So wait, let's back up a little. What year was that that you bought your Club Pilates? 
We bought the uh, Club Pilates in 2016. Okay. And did you, how long did you take, did it take to get all three of them open? Yeah. So we got all three of them open. It took us about two and a half years, okay. uh, maybe a little less. Um, we really opened the first one and then, and then about a year later opened the second, but shortly on the heels of that, just because of the availability, availability of real estate and, and a location in one of our markets that was just, we couldn't pass up, yeah. came available. We decided to go ahead uh, about five months in, into that, go ahead and open the third one. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wonderful. So that was 2016. You right. sold them in 2021. So you had them about five years Correct. all in all. Yep. So tell us about some of the things you learned during yep. that five-year time that helped you be a successful business owner. Well, you know, I think going into it, uh, obviously we didn't have any fitness or, or health or uh, you know, fitness experience. Um, obviously, we like to work out and do stuff like that in our free time, but we had no experience in running a fitness business. Uh, but we did bring to the table, um, I in particular, uh, sort of a business knowledge just by being in, in the business space uh, throughout my career. Uh, but I think something you really don't realize until you actually are in charge of everything yourself, and it's kind of like you're the, you know, you know, the one-stop shop for everything, is just, uh, you know, kind of the depth of, of, of each of the different work streams in, in, in running a business, like the marketing aspect, the operations, the management, the, you know, all the way from the payroll and, and everything else and sales that you've got to do. Yeah. So being able to be involved in that and really be in a position where I wasn't sort of the benefactor of other people's decisions, I was able to make my own decisions uh, was great because it was a learning process and getting up to speed on that. But I also felt bene- benefited because I was able to make some of those key decisions and sort of shape my own destiny and my own um, my own you know business. So. I want to pause on something that you said because you said something really important that I want to point out is that you had all this business experience, but you had no experience owning a health oriented correct or fitness business. Mm-hmm which is not required in the world of franchising because what the franchisor is looking for is someone with the skill sets that you brought. Right. They're not looking for the fitness enthusiast that doesn't have that experience Correct. that you had because that person is a whole heck of a lot more likely to fail right. at business ownership than somebody like you that has all those skill sets and just needs to learn how to run a specific type of business. So that's a key that I think you're not the unicorn there. Most people are just like right. you. Exactly. Where they well, don't have that experience. And it, another interesting point on that, Roxanne, is that uh, just a kind of a tidbit for folks that are looking to get into their own business and maybe even one day uh, end up selling it, is that uh, one of the questions that the person that bought my business, who happened to be a fellow franchisee, asked me was, is, do you manage your business, businesses? In other words, were you there day to day having to keep your hand on, on the pulse of the business? And I said, no, I have built a great team of general managers. And that was actually the right answer uh, yes, because he yes. wasn't looking for somebody to, uh, who, who, you know, an owner that was that involved. Right. Um, and it actually impacted me being able to get a higher multiple on, on selling the business. So I think that is such a key point too, because you had those key employees. And mm-hmm. so with his acquisition, those came with it and that right. made it more valuable for him right. versus if you were as hands-on and doing all that, then he buys it from you and you're gone, then it's less valuable. Yeah. And and I'd say to bookend the last question you asked me about what did I learn? I think too, you know, you, you kind of learn that, you know, I think the natural inclination is to be there day to day. And I, I think, it, you know, initially as you're 
growing the business and right. you're learning it, you're, you're more involved, but then you realize that, you know, your benefit is to be in the community, uh, to really, you know, be the, be the mouthpiece of your business and, and to build a great team. Uh, because at the end of the day, those are the people that you're going to rely on when you're not there. And actually, at the end of the day, what that also enables you to do is have a more of a work-life balance. You don't have to be there every day. You're just managing to metrics, and you're able to, you know, kind of address the issues as opposed to boil the ocean, as they say, every day in the, in the business. So uh, it's kind of a twofold thing. It's, you know, you, you learn how to, you know, manage and delegate. Uh, but you also, in that, free up more of your time for things like family and, and personal interests and stuff that I just wasn't able to do when I was in the corporate world. Well, and the business you chose was designed to be managed the way that you managed Correct. it, which we call semi-absentee. That business isn't designed for the owner to be in that business, in that storefront right. all the time. It's designed for you to manage a manager. I do want you to stop, back up, and explain something that you said for our listeners that don't understand. When mm -hmm. you said it, it enabled you to get a higher multiple. Will you explain what that means? Absolutely. So when you sell your business, usually what it is is, is some multiple uh, or multiplier, if you will, of uh, a, a net income figure, whether that's you know, you know, net income, adjusted net income, whatever. Um, so if, if you're making a certain amount of net income um, on a particular business for the year, it's basically just multiplying that by a number. And right. that's basically what you're getting for that business. Thank you. Yep. That's help, really helpful. I want to touch a little bit on some of the things that you did to differentiate yourself. I sure. know that when we visit with clients about fitness, a lot of people will give feedback, oh, there's so many. Mm -hmm. And in my opinion, there needs to be a lot because everybody kind of has their own preference on how they want to exercise. Mm -hmm. I need a class or an appointment or I'm not going to go. Right. Um, I need somebody expecting me. I need to have paid for it. I'm not that person that's going to just have a gym membership and have the self-discipline to show up. So there were other Pilates studios around. Share with us a little bit about how you created so much success for your locations. Absolutely. So, you know, one of the due diligence things that we did when we were looking at this business is we did look at the competitors in the market and there were other Pilates studios Um uh, the one thing uh, that I found attractive about the making the decision to invest in this particular business was that a lot of those Pilates studios were mom and pop operations, and they may have had um, good Pilates instructors or offered good classes, but they weren't really you know adept at the marketing aspect and getting the name out there and creating a you know building a schedule that that would work for most people. Um, and, and oftentimes, too, the, the price points uh, that those folks were offering for their classes were too high for the average consumer to, you know, to, uh, to afford. Um, so, you know, uh, the concept itself was great in that, you know, there, there was an opportunity in the marketplace to really build a brand for what we did. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, while Sarah expressed there's a lot of competition in that market, one of the things that we also found was that uh, some of the other concepts outside of Pilates uh, would offer some of the more high intensity would offer great classes. They were great concepts, but they really weren't targeting folks that maybe 35 to 65 or, or even, even higher that may had, that may have some sort of physical limitation or issue, back issue, neck issue, whatever. 
they just couldn't do that kind of exercise. So that was sort of an excuse to say, hey, I'm not going to go in and do it. So this was something that, you know, was a combination of, of, of a, you know, sort of a, the Starbucks of, of Pilates, you know, be, building a brand in that space and uh, an offering to folks that, you know, traditionally the, some of the baby boomer population that just couldn't do some yeah. of the things that are out there. So, um, you know, that was, that was great going in. And then, and then to answer the second part was really, you know, uh, what helped differentiate us is really getting involved in the community. Um, obviously, like, like a lot of places, we did paid advertising, you know, your, your uh, social media, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, things like that. Uh, but we were in markets where, you know, we didn't get as many of those leads. We, you know, for example, if the average studio got 120 leads a month, maybe we got 60 or 70. Mm -hmm. um, so to backfill that, we realized that we were in areas where, you know, uh, community involvement was was looked well upon. And, um, and it was something that we realized early on we needed to build in order to grow our business. So just getting involved and partnering with other businesses that had similar demographic type clients coming up with maybe we do a social media podcast similar to this, but with, you know, a, another business that would complement our customer base, um, going to events in the community that, that um, where there were a lot of people that we could market to, things like that. So we kind of built that annuity relationship over time where we would backfill our shortfall in the, in the social media space with even better leads from a community involvement perspective. There's something to be said for that face-to-face, -face, getting yes. to know somebody. It's yeah. a relationship business and uh, recognizing that early on and, and, and really fostering those relationships in the community really benefited us long-term. I think a lot of the attraction for many of the fitness concepts is the community that is created right. within those classes, the friendships, Absolutely. the motivation by having other people there doing the same thing mm -hmm. versus someone trying to do that on their own. And so for them to get to know you, get to know um, the instructors, Yep. And have that friendship. It's really a friendship gets them back in the door and keeps Absolutely. them keeps their memberships. And I know even for me personally, that was one of the things too. I mean, I I'm more likely to go to a class of some sort where I can meet other people. Uh, I look forward to the structure. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you just left it up to me to go to the gym, I'm probably not as right. likely to do that. Um, and then you know, fostering even that. Like so, some of the things we used to do are monthly membership appreciation events where we get people together and we do a uh, funny thing called uh, uh, Pilates and Pinot, where it was like you go and you do Pilates <laughs> and then you drink wine. Oh, so that's the, a motivation. You get the, re the reward at the end. You kind if of ruin I, your workout by drinking wine I at the end. I suffer through this, but, but I snap <laughs> wine. Okay, that's like the beer garden at yeah, the end that's of the right. marathon, oh, we, and I we never that got that. I'm like, I, that's the last thing I want right now is beer. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, doing stuff like that and encouraging that because, you know, recognizing that it's not just about the workout, but it's about the community with yeah in the studio that you're building so that's great so kind of along that same lines you had to shut down during covid so yeah. that's another conversation that a lot of people are you know we're having right now with people is I, their apprehension about potentially purchasing a business that mm -hmm. might have to deal with a shutdown with some unexpected event exactly. so talk to us a little bit about how you made it through covid 
Yeah, no, that's a great question. And, and you know, it's something, too, that uh, I, I know before owning my own business and, and uh, before even COVID, right? I mean, one of the things that was in the back of my mind and, and uh, was, was something I just had to overcome was, well, is this the right time to launch a business? You know, you, you think about timing the market, you know, like even if you're buying a stock, is this the right time to buy a stock? And I think, you know, um, you don't have a crystal ball uh, and you just got to have some faith that, you know, the, the economy and, the, and, and whatever situation is going to normalize over time. So it, it's really better to, to, to look at, you know, uh, the type of business and the opportunity you're investing in versus some of these factors that you have no control over in the back end, because really the long term, that's what's going to define your success. But for us in COVID, uh, and it kind of gets back to the relationships that we formed uh, with our members, right? And, and when I say we, I'm really talking about the collective team, you know, the general managers in the studios, the sales folks, particularly the Pilates instructors, and the affinity that those uh, member, those folks that were part of that experience, the members of, 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 the, of the studio participated in, uh, was that when we had to shut down, we did a lot of, you know, the virtual classes, like a lot of concepts did. But really, at the end of the day, it was that um, that desire to see us succeed as a business in the community because we had that commu- those community relationships that really kept people paying their dues for the couple months. They were like, look, I'm just going to pay it uh, because I wanna, uh, I'm looking forward to coming back and doing this when, when, these, when this goes away. So we retained probably you know, 40 to 50% of our customer base just on that. And, and we really didn't lose any customers for the most part the other 40% or whatever went on freeze, but they elected to stay members with the intent of coming back once COVID, the COVID numbers came down. So. so what changes did you make in your studio, if any, when you came back from COVID? To, and then did everybody come back at the same time or did mm-hmm. you come back like at 50% and then grow into 100%? How did that work? Yeah, you know, when we came back from COVID, I'd say probably we, we came back with about uh, 60%, 60 to 70%. And, and again, you know, we we had the, we adjusted our cost base or we didn't really let anybody go, but we did furlough for a couple of months. Uh, some of the employees Um, kept on some Pilates instructors, kept the GMs, uh, general managers on board, and then just scaled that back up. Um, Probably took us about four to five months to get back to where we were prior to COVID. And then to be honest with you, um, at the beginning of the year, once um, once things kind of opened up and everything, it didn't take us long to to actually far exceed where we were before. Just some of that pent up demand, I think, coming back and people really wanting to get back out there and get back in shape and and, and be social again. Very common phrase, by the way, yeah. pent up demand for a lot of businesses. Mm-hmm. Was the franchisor instrumental in any way of assisting you through that process? And if so, how? Mm-hmm. Um, because I think it's important for people to understand that when you're involved in a franchise business, a lot of times there's a lot more support there than if you're an independent. Yeah. Um, and then the other curious question I have is, were you able to take advantage of the PPP loans? Yeah. So the um, the first question, uh, you know, and that was one of the deciding factors. Uh, we, we invested uh, with Exponential Fitness in, in our Pilates concept, and they were f- amazing. They were fantastic. Um, and, and for people that are contemplating doing a business, and one of the things that, you know, just seems obvious, but, but I'll say it is that, you know, we, we didn't have any, any experience in running our own business. So we wanted to have sort of a blueprint or a roadmap, uh, on how to do it. Um, and we're so thankful we did because like one of your questions was, what did you learn? Well, 
you don't know what you don't know. Yes. Um, and so having having those work streams in place and having a franchisor that came up with great processes that had been there, done that, um, was was instrumental. And through COVID, they were great. We'd have weekly calls with the team there. Um, they were keeping on top of things at a macro level. And um, the CEO of the company was very instrumental in, in, in kind of uh, filtering through some of the, you know, the noise that was going on at the yeah. time, right? And making sure that we were making good decisions based on correct information. Um, they were even uh, to the point where they were actually going out to banks for us and, 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 and sourcing folks, you know, some of the banks that would do PPP loans uh, because folks were having problems in some cases if they didn't have a relationship with the bank of getting the money. Uh, which led into the second. We, we were fortunate in that we had a good relationship with a community bank, and we were able to take advantage of both PPP loans um, in that okay. process, which was was great during that time. That's great. Awesome. So can you tell our listeners just maybe two or three key things that you learned over the course of that five-year period from day one to the day that you sold it That's that benefited you in growing a successful franchise? What are some of the key takeaways? You know, I, I think, you know, so, sort of a precursor to that, I, I think, you know, once I sold, it was like, okay, now what? I'm, I'm, I'm you know, in my mind, at least too young to retire. So do I want to do another business or do I want to jump back into corporate America? And, and for me, I think when, when, you, when you've been successful uh, running your own business, everything's got its ups and downs, right? Nothing's perfect. Mm-hmm. But running your own business for me and, 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 and the advantages monetarily, again, from a family perspective, just from an enjoyment perspective, a job satisfaction perspective, I don't think it would, it would be very difficult for me to go into a standard position again. Uh, but what did I learn in the takeaways? I think the key things are, number one, is, you know, uh, don't be afraid to sort of follow your passion and, t- and take a bit of a risk. Uh, I always like to call it a calculated risk because you don't want to, uh, you don't want to throw money, uh, you know, good man- money after bad. You don't want to make bad decisions, but do your due diligence. Uh, make sure again, you're, you're getting, you know, and, and that's why I would encourage anybody doing this, particularly for the first time, really to engage with, uh, a franchise consultant that that has a good brand name recognition in your area. Um, you know, e- each area is going to have somebody that does that, and somebody that knows the the market and can help assist you in that process is is just instrumental. Uh, so that would be another thing. Um, and then um, you know, just just make sure you do your due diligence and and, and select the the thing that's right for you. If you're not feeling it, or if you don't feel like, hey, this is something I can wake up and do every day go on and look at another one. Um, There will be something out there for you to do. Great advice. And I love the fact that you brought up working with somebody local. That's huge. Somebody that understands your market, that has connections in your market, um, that can introduce you or hook you up with people you might need, like a commercial real estate broker or whatever that might be. And even after you're in business, you know, sometimes we become the clients or customers of our clients as they get into business. We can't do that for everyone, but it's certainly... Things, something that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, I had one more question for you, and I forgot it while I was saying that. Well, I wanted to point out something that I think is interesting and kind of the advantage to being in a franchise is when you sold, you sold to another franchisee. Right. Uh, Absolutely. So that is something that, you know, a lot of independent business owners don't have that advantage. And so just tell us a little bit about how that transpired? No, that's a great question. And, and, uh, you know, um, 
when when I went when when I joined the franchise, one thing that's that, that that's kind of cool, kind of fun is uh, particularly with exponential, and we always used we do these in Las Vegas or, or or Miami or whatever. Is that we'd have an annual convention, um, and at the annual convention, um, it was just a blast. Uh, like for example, at one of the conventions in Miami, uh, Pitbull was one of the. Uh, the, the 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 entertainment acts and he wow. was like there for like a room full of the franchisees <laughs> so awesome. that was really cool. Uh, Janet so, Bailey, did you hear that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, just but but the, the the main reason to bring that up is that they'd always have an agenda, right? Uh, you'd go oh, through yeah. the, the, the we convention. We just came back. It's we just came back. So we get it. <laughs> yeah. That's There's why you're smiling. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Uh, but you have an agenda, and one of the things on the agenda, actually, which I thought was great that they offered, you know, uh, when we joined the franchise, uh, we were still sort of at the beginning of the franchisees in that concept. Um, so five years later, um, there were a number of franchisees that, that had, you know, entered the space. And so the, at one of the conferences, they offered a class on, on what they do to help the franchisees sell their business. And there's wow. actually a department there, um, kind of a sort of a, a capital market sort of corporate investment department uh, that would help you. So for example, um, you know, if, if you use them, uh, they would help you source uh, another franchisee that, that wanted to, you know, to, that may be interested in your territories or going externally and using their contacts in the market to find, uh, you know, a buyer for your business. Um, so that's the nice thing to know that with this franchisor, they, they actually helped you on the back end of the process as well, not just the front end. Uh, which so they was, help which you was, enter and they help you exit. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, but we were even lucky in that, you know, we, we had built these businesses up, um, to, uh, a good position, a good profitable position. And we actually had a fellow franchisee in the area that was looking to expand into Texas. Um, there weren't really any new territories available. Yeah. So his only option really was to buy somebody out that was already in the market. So um, he came to us and, and, and we really kind of worked out a deal that I think was beneficial to both parties. And um, it was just a, a great situation, very seamless, took us probably, you know, a month or two to kind of get all the paperwork together and, and, um, and then it was done. So everybody's dream right yeah. to have a simple <laughs> transaction, a yeah. simple process when it comes to a sale like that. So Bobby, thank you so much for joining us. I think that you were so um, insightful for our listeners and provided such value on how to take a business and and grow it to the level and to to get it sold and be ready to pursue your next thing, whatever, whatever that might be. So we really appreciate your time today. Sure thing. Thank you guys. Yeah. So one last thing is, you know, when Sarah and I interview our clients, when we're trying to figure out what we're going to show them, one of the questions we always ask them is, what do you want or need from this business? And two of the top things that we get for a response is growth and equity. And mm-hmm. you achieved both of those. So congratulations. Yes, thank you. I appreciate that. It was, it was fun and exciting. I bet. And yep. I, we certainly appreciate your time and you coming and sharing with us today. So thank you. Sure. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Uh, please follow Sarah and I. You can find us on LinkedIn. Roxanne Rapsky, R-A-P-S-K-E, and Sarah Wasco, W-A-S-K-O-W. You can also find us on Frannet.com. And finally, you can find us on our YouTube channel at Frannet of Dallas, Fort Worth, and Oklahoma. This podcast is there, as well as some other informational videos. You can also listen to us anywhere you listen to your podcasts and stream them. So thanks again for joining us. Have a great day. Thanks. Bye.